Hi, uh, how can I help you? Are you going to be like rushing your little sister or something with our, our sorority today? Like what's going on? Hi. Uh, nah, dude, trying to get in the sorority house. Um, I'm Time to party. so sorry. So sorry. Uh, you cannot enter Delta Theta Chi uh, because you are a male. This is a sorority. So if you want to join Greek, you can go fraternity right over there across the block. So thank you. Nah, dude. I'm, I'm a chick. No, uh, first of all, I'm not a dude. Second of all, dude. what did you just say to me? I'm a chick, dude. You're a ch you identify as female? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yeah, can I come in? In that case, I'm going to have you fill out a little piece of paperwork, and then, yes, you can rush the sorority if you'd like. All right, dude, thanks. That's really great. I'm a woman, for sure. Trying to party with all my chick friends. <laughs> no? All my, all my ladies, you know what I'm saying? Dang. It's okay. And scene. Wow. Will, that was a fantastic performance. Dude, I mean, you know, I was, you know, doing it. I just feel like you yeah. were a fraternity brother. Were you ever a fraternity brother at I any was point? I fraternity, yeah. Oh, of yeah. course you were. For a semester. Oh, that's why this you're, totally you're makes sense. You're too good at this. I'm too good at this. I know. I'm too good at acting <laughs> like a fraternity brother. Too uh, good at acting like a douche. The joke is too real, though. We, we were like, how do we actually joke about this subject matter when it's actually happening? Uh, we're going to have a multitude of stories today. First of all, our CEO, Marissa Stride, is on the show today. We have an interview with her. We're going to be talking about sort of uh, how gender theory has infiltrated different sets of our society and the problems that are ensuing because of that, both in summer camps and uh, in prison systems and juvenile systems in one of these stories. Plus, the three men involved in the Ahmad Arbery death uh, have now been convicted of a hate crime. We'll talk about that for a little bit. And it is TikTok Tuesday, so we're bringing you some fresh reactions to some very interesting TikToks at the end of today's show. So let's get into story number one. This was highlighted on Tucker Carlson. Uh, Bill Malugan, who we know from reporting on illegal immigration at our southern border, has now found a new story. And I will sort of let this speak for itself, but it involves a, a young Young man who is 26 years old who now identifies as female but was involved in a sexual assault of a 10 year old roughly eight years ago here's the story fox's bill malugin has that story for us tonight hey bill hey tucker good to see you so this case has to do with a 26 year old transgender child molester who was sentenced to only two years in a juvenile facility because la county da george gascone refused to prosecute him as an adult, take a look. This is 26-year-old Hannah Tubbs, who was recently convicted of sexually assaulting a 10-year-old girl inside of a Denny's restroom in L.A. County back in 2014. Now, at the time of that crime, Tubbs' first name was James, and he was a couple weeks away from his 18th birthday. CCTV showed Tubbs going into that Denny's restroom and then fleeing the scene after assaulting the little girl. But Tubbs wasn't connected to the sexual assault until being arrested for another crime in 2019. And prosecutors say Tubbs began identifying as female after being taken into custody. And despite having multiple violent crimes on record already, Gascon refused to prosecute Tubbs as an adult. And just last month, a judge sentenced Tubbs to serve two years in a juvie detention facility at age 26. And get this, Tubbs will not have to register as a sex offender. Now, I've obtained some of Tubbs' phone calls from when Tubbs was in custody here in L.A. County back in November before being sentenced. In them, Tubbs is on the phone with his dad, and he talks about gloating about avoiding prison time. Take a listen. Don't worry about it. It's a strike, but they're going to plead. I'm going to plead out to it. I'm going to plead guilty. They're going to stick me on probation, and it's going to be dropped. It's going to be done. Done. I won't have to register once or nothing. For uh, an offender, you don't have to register? 
I won't have to do none of that. So what are they going to do to you then? Nothing. And in that same call, Tubbs went on to make some extremely crude, disparaging sexual comments about the 10-year-old victim, openly discussing the sexual attraction for her and laughing about it. So crude, we've decided not to air that audio. That victim is now 18 years old, and she is speaking out for the very first time, telling Fox News in part, quote, The things he did to me and made me do that day were beyond horrible for a 10-year-old girl to have to go through. It's something I struggle with, and it's insulting that this is all he was given as punishment, and I want something done about it. As for DA George Gascon, he says he didn't even know about these jail call recordings until I reached out to him last week and told his office about it. He says if he had known. Hmm. If he had known. <laughs> we don't even need to know. <laughs> if he had known. It's, it's just an excuse after excuse after excuse. Uh, you know. I want to go ahead and at the outset of this say that this particular story has nothing to do with the transgender community and I think that's very clear that it has nothing to do with the transgender community and it strikes a point that I've brought up several occasions and we've brought up several occasions on this show that there are men and there are disgusting men uh, in particular who will take advantage of the current narrative that is being uh, perpetrated and, and held up by uh, media at large by social media at large by our society at large and they will take advantage of the fact that they get to identify as whatever they like and, and use that in, in very malicious ways. And it seems like this guy, who is 26 years old, who is now going to be entering a juvenile facility, is going to use uh, the, the ability to identify as transgender to his uh, benefit. It's exactly what's happening here. Yeah, I find it pretty rich that George Escone is saying that he didn't know about this. It's hard to believe that he didn't know about these these recordings and these things happening. Uh, I am sure that I can assume, I would assume that he did know. He's a George Soros-backed DA. He's a terrible guy. All these people who, they know what, what their destruction and what their lives have wrought. And I think that, you know, this is indicative of a situation that when you push this on people and push this agenda out there and tell people that, oh, it's it's fine, you can be whatever you want and there aren't consequences for it. And this this is what you get. This is what happens when you tell people that they can lie about who they are. Well, I don't even know if it's, if it's really that, you know, I think it's just people being ignorant to what the possibilities are here. I'm totally fine if you're a grown adult and you identify as transgender and you want to go through all the different paths to, to affirm that for yourself and to make yourself look like that. Sure, that's fine. But again, I bring up the point that people are going to take advantage of that. And the issue becomes when we start to legislate that people who identify as female can use whatever bathroom they want or they can stay wherever they want or in LA, they can go to a place like We Spa and go to the women's facilities because they identify as a female. That that's where the line needs to be drawn. I'm not going to step on your own personal liberty to to call yourself whatever you want or to get cosmetic surgery to make yourself whatever you want uh, as a grown adult with your brain fully formed. Uh, but I draw the line when it comes to things like this. How was this guy able to walk into uh, a Denny's bathroom? Maybe he just did it on his own volition. Maybe at the time he wasn't using that as an excuse. It doesn't seem like it. But this is what's going to be become standard. It's going to be an issue. We have here in the state of California, people in our prison systems who are advocating that men who identify as female without any genetic markers of it, without any uh, hormone replacement therapy, without any sex reassignment surgery, they get to fill out paperwork with the office and get transferred over to a female prison with while being fully biological male. Uh, and that's what's happening. It, it becomes when you don't draw lines in, in what you believe and how that's able to be legislated and how we make policy regarding it, that it becomes an issue for our society. And this is just one of many examples.
Yeah, it's hard to make any real sense of this. If I were to, you know, commit a crime and something and then say, let's say there were black versus white prisons, say I was black now, obviously no one would take me seriously. That'd be a stupid thing to say. But apparently you can come on and say, oh, I'm a woman now after you commit a crime. And somehow yeah. that absolves you of your sin and the things that you did. I mean, it just goes to show that none of this is based in science. And I mean, how, how much this is what happens when you push it on people, when you mm -hmm. tell people that, oh, you can live with your delusions and people can live this way. And it's totally fine in the society. We're going to cater to all these people's delusions. I mean, then you can say that this is what people do. This is the way people act. You can't you can't tell people that this is an OK way to live. I mean, listen, people can do what they want if you want to identify you can do what you want but the society that we have pushing this on people and telling people that this is that this is real or normal and this kind of stuff is just it's bonkers and then you get people like this and then they get off well yeah this is a man who completely does not believe a word that he says as they said in this interview you can hear him laughing and joking to his father about being attracted to a 10 year old girl and and how he's going to get off and he's not going to be registered a sex offender and again very little of this story has anything to do with the transgender community or this man identifying as transgender what it is is a failing in our criminal justice system one i saw five mugshots during that uh news interview what is this man doing just running around on the street being able to do whatever it is that he wants to do secondly why is a 26 year old male being put into a juvenile facility and uh, they're saying it's because he committed the crime at 17. He committed it at 17 against a 10-year-old 10, a 10 girl, two weeks shy of turning 18. He should be tried and sentenced as an adult. And that's a failing of our criminal justice system that a man who is 26 years old, convicted of sexually assaulting a 10-year-old girl, is now going to be in a juvenile facility. And... and who knows whether or not it's going to be male, female, or co-ed in California because he identifies as female, it would be female. So it's it's just uh, there's so many different levels of wrong happening in this particular story. No, the man should be put to death. I mean, that's what should happen if you do something like this to children. That's that, that's all it is. It's all it comes down to. You commit it. an evil act like that. You deserve the death penalty. You do. 100 percent. 100 percent. I'm, I'm on the no, fence about no the death penalty. No disagreement or no no lack of understanding there for me. It's very pedophile. You die. That's that's what you get. Anyway, but it, when it comes down to these types of people, you have to say, yes, it is a failure of the criminal justice system. But, you know, it's because this trans ideology, this social justice ideology, ideology has become so pervasive in our society and so dominant because people allow these things to happen. And so then when it becomes, then it gets in the criminal justice system, gets in the school system now and elementary schools and all this. You allow this, it's like a wound and you say, okay, I'm either going to take care of this wound and sew it up or I'm going to allow it to fester. And we have allowed this wound to fester for too long. And because of that, now you have things like this happening. Yeah, it, when, when these things were happening at the beginning, you know, you have to, to, to call it what it is at the beginning. And because we didn't say what it actually was at the beginning, now we have this huge problem and these things are going to happen. And there's the spa and, and the jails and the schools is happening all over the place. Yep. You simply have to draw lines and the lines are not being drawn. In fact, they're being blurred and they're being pushed to uh, the the opposite of what of what they are. You now see uh, things like gender dysphoria being taken out of the DSM-5 as a uh, quote mental illness and saying that, you know, stress and confusion are not attached to this diagnostic anymore when clearly they are and clearly the results show that they are. So it's just a, a weird turnaround that we're seeing right now and something needs to be done about it there needs to be something written uh, into legislation that this is not allowed uh and and in some states this is happening again california is the bastion of progressive policy which is why we are sort of in the hot seat for everything that's happening in this in this vein of of 
social issue. Uh, we have another story. Let me just, I want to say yeah. something there. Go this for is it. why social justice has no moral compass. The, <clears throat> the ideology of social justice has no moral compass. They go and say, oh, you know, all these people being killed by police and everything, violence is wrong. And then they go and burn down a city and, and hurt people. They say, oh, you need to respect trans people because trans <laughs> people are, are hurt in our community. And then trans people go and rape people. It's like you, you have to, to Hold on. these people are going, but listen, not all trans people are raping people is obviously not what I'm saying. But when they do, when something like this happens, you're not seeing the left come out and say, oh, these people did something wrong. You're not, you won't hear anyone from GLAAD or any of these other trans organizations come out and say anything about this. I guarantee you, you're not going to hear anything. If you were accountable to your own doing evil things and saying bad things, then yes, I would say, okay, social justice, yes, maybe you have a moral compass and you have a different ideology than me. That's fine. But these people are coming out and then when they do something wrong that is against what they were even fighting for, then it shows that they have no moral compass. Well, I would say, first of all, this is not a trans person. I think that is very clear. This is a man. Yeah, someone identifying to be trans. Yeah, this right? is a man taking right. advantage of something that he can use to label himself and to get get away scot-free with what he's done. So this is a man who's not transgender. Secondly, right. I think, again, there's there's lines that need to be drawn like there are extreme leftists like people who would work for for glad who would actively you know censor the stories of people who detransition and and don't talk about the bad things that happen due to these these policies but most reasonable people i i can guarantee you there is a large a, a large group of people in this country who go sure as an adult you should be able to do whatever you want with your body but they don't get to come into the women's section in in the spa. They don't get to stay uh, with girls at sleepaway camp like we're going to see in this next story. There are perfectly reasonable people who say, you know what, trans people should be allowed to exist and, and to lead their lives in whatever way, shape they see, they see fit. Uh, but you have to draw the lines when it comes to what people who identify in this category are able to do or we will continue to have problems like this. Transgender people are not going anywhere. It's the the ideology is not going anywhere. The gender dysphoria is not going anywhere. In fact, I think due to the way that we talk about it and the way that we push it, it is only going to grow uh, exponentially in this country. So you have to draw the lines in the sand where they are meant to be drawn before more and more people get hurt. And here's this next story of non-binary identifying staff members being able to stay in uh, the female lodges at a camp with little girls. So these are male staffers who identify as non-binary being able to stay with girls. Micah, the parents tell us that their children came home from camp. They were asking a lot of questions about gender and pronouns. The parents then reached out to the camp director who told them that counselors, biological males who identify as they, them, are permitted to spend the night in cabins with the young girls. In the parking lot of Weaver Elementary School in Los Alamitos, a group of parents. No parent should feel the way I feel after knowing what could have happened to my daughter. Upset by the sleeping arrangements at a school-organized science camp. I contacted the school and I asked them if they were able to confirm that there was not a man actually sleeping in the same cabin as the girls. Uh, they were not able to confirm that. The parents say their fifth grade girls told them some of the biologically male counselors at Camp Pally in San Bernardino identified as they, them, and spent three nights sleeping in cabins with the young girls. They're asleep, they use the shower, they 
go to the restroom. Camp Pally confirms per California state law, we place staff in cabins they identify with. Parents say they're not accusing anyone of a crime, but they are angry the school district did not let parents know about the policy. A spokesperson told us the district takes all complaints and concerns seriously and is currently investigating. These parents say they just want others to be informed of the policy so they can make decisions for their own families. It's awful that children had to even experience this in fifth grade camp. If I was aware of it and I had initialed something saying that this was going to be done at this outdoor science camp, I would have kept my child home. Yeah, so those parents insist that they should have been informed about this policy before they sent their kids off to camp. And now they want the school district to step up. They want them to inform the parents of the hundreds of other kids who were also on that trip. We're live tonight, Los Alamitos. I'm Sandra Mitchell, KTLA. <laughs> that line you were just talking about, we gone way past that line. It needs to be drawn. Wait, I'm just thinking, as a man, okay, or Taylor, any of you guys who are men watching, if someone asked you and said, hey, you're going to sleep in the same cabin as little girls, I would feel weird. I would feel very, very weird about it. I would say, no, I'm not going to do that. That's strange, right? Taylor, you would say the same thing. Yeah, You'd of be course. Like, that's mm -hmm. freaky. That's weird. That's disgusting. The fact that these men are going in and sleeping there shows one thing. These men are sickos. If you are the man who wants to go in there and sleep with these girls in this cabin, you're a sicko. You are legitimately a psychopath. It's disgusting. You have to think of the doors that are being opened for people to take advantage of them. This is a massive door being opened for people who want to take advantage of them. If I was a, a man who was a sexual predator, this would be the first place that I would sign up for a job. You, I, I guarantee you would need very little qualifications and then you get to say you're non-binary and you get to stay in a, in, a, in a cabin with young girls. This is the first place that somebody would go. And this is the problem. This is the problem with, uh, you know, just blind affirmation of things and blind acceptance of things uh, without making clear where you could run into problems and where you can victimize other people. And these young women, although I'm sure nothing happened to them, it sounds like the parents saying are saying that nothing happened to them at this camp, uh, have been victimized by this and, and could be victimized in the future by things like this. It's just insane. I feel very sad for all of the the young people in this country who have been convinced that they are a different gender than they really are and and believe that is true. And I feel even worse for the children who have to deal with men or women, whatever it is, who are coming and lying about their gender for their own sexual gain. Mm -hmm. This is this is what this is what you get when you allow lies to fester in your society. When you allow this stuff to happen, this is what you get. You get people sacrificing people's well-being, people's happiness, potentially the rest of someone's life. That 10-year-old girl in that bathroom, her life will never be the same. She is, her, her mind, everything will never be the same. And it's because people said lying in our society is okay. We can lie and it's totally fine. Truth <clears throat> means nothing. And that's what you get when you have a society built on lies. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, what? Transgender people have been around. They've been living here. Uh, it's and uh, living in the country. And this is yet to become a ma the massive problem that it is, uh, except within what? The last, I, I don't know, I want to say even just like the last five years, it's become a massive problem. And it's because it's been brought to the forefront of this conversation. And there's been legislation put in place to make these things happen uh, with complete and utter ignorance uh, and 
of people coming forth and saying these are the problems that we're going to run into. I remember we were having this discussion when I was in high school uh, in, in Florida specifically. The, the whole debate about transgender bathrooms popped up and all these conservatives came forth and said, you know what? I get it. I get it. They, it can be upsetting to not use the bathroom that you want to use. But you have to think about the people who could be victimized by this. And it's not people who are going to be victimized by the transgender community. It's people who are going to be victimized by men and sometimes women, but mostly men who choose to commit malicious acts and you have to weigh that and you have to say is is a girl getting sexually assaulted uh, worth it because i get to affirm who i am by using the right bathroom and the answer to that is no it's not worth it it's not and in one time is, is too many and we've covered so many stories where this is happening over and over and over and over uh to the extreme of allowing men into female prisons it, it should should not be allowed no should of course it shouldn't be allowed there's yeah. a lot of things that shouldn't be allowed in yeah. this world but they're allowed to run rampant. Yep. It is a very unfortunate. Uh, real quick, talking about drawing lines, Amla, it's like, yes. I think a line that we have simply utterly failed at drawing as a society, as a culture, and in the last five years, but even beyond that, is mm -hmm. the distinction between your truth and the truth. Mm -hmm. And yep. your truth, okay, you can live, uh, you know, it's a, it's a free country, or it used to be, <laughs> um, and you're, you can live with whatever personal liberty you want as, as an adult uh, fully formed adult, like you, you were yes. saying, but the truth is, you know, if you are a biological male, you have an advantage over women that you're competing against. Exactly. Or if you're a biological male, you can't just say, I feel like a female and be put in a prison with females because you just completely open the door to uh, people, uh, women or uh, children being exploited um, because people can just say, well, my truth is the truth and you must acknowledge my truth as the truth. And that's where society needs to say, no, there's the truth and yes. then there's your truth and you can live in whatever you can't world say you want your to live truth. within. You have to but say your is. lie yeah. and the truth. Well, yeah. there's, it's not your truth. There, because yeah, truth there's is the objective. truth and there's your opinion. There's your yes, opinion about exactly. yourself and how you feel inwardly right. and you can... You feel however you want to feel about yourself, but you cannot right. insist that society affirms yeah. your delusions. Mm, those yeah. are the lines. And we have, as society, have failed to say, you know, that is what you think, but it is inconsistent with objective reality. Right. And right. We are, we've been unwilling to do that, and that so many of our problems stem from that. Right. Yeah. And Abigail Schreier, I mean, she wrote about it in her in her Irreversible book. damage, yeah. Yeah, well, irreversible damage, and that students will say that they are trans because they know that it gets them likes and followers on social media. Mm -hmm. It's like all the people coming out and saying, I have mental disorders, I have anxiety, I have this, I have that, because it makes them feel like they're cool. It's like the new rebellious thing, like you used to get tattoos, now you become trans. Like in so many ways, these things are happening. We got a few terrible. to look at later on the show. Yeah, we look at we them every do. week. We do. I mean, it it's has really, really sad because you're ruining people's lives. Not just the people who are trans, but some of these children who are being assaulted. All these things you are ruining people's lives, and they don't care at all. These people don't care at all. There's just ideology, 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 agenda, and they don't care about people's lives that they've ruined. Yeah, it's if, disgusting. If, if you're willing to overlook real, provable, legitimate harm right. being done um, in the service of your ideology, if you think the end justifies the means, that's how evil is committed. We know that looking at history. If you, right. you know, the revolution at any cost, it was nothing for Stalin to let millions of people starve to death or Mao because it was for the revolution. And mm -hmm. in these people's minds, it's the great, the greater good in their minds is, hey, well, we want this emancipation. We don't. We want to eliminate all these categories of male, female. We want to. We want this new utopian society mm -hmm. where all, where our ideology reigns supreme and so if a few people get hurt or raped along the way you know we're, we're going to just going to minimize and, and bury those stories instead of it's instead of facing the facts that our ideology is broken and it causes harm and it's 
evil. Yeah, it's an important thing to ask yourself just across the board with everything that you think is, are there other people being hurt because I think this way or because I'm supporting this? And uh, for the most part, uh, you will find that the answer is often yes. And you have to think about that and weigh that in the things that you think. And a lot of people are uh, so caught up in their own self-victimization and, and their own uh you know, pursuit to be affirmed by everybody that they completely overlook it. And it's, it's a failing on their part. Uh, now we all, uh, any other further comments about no, I don't like the it. gender gauntlet that we're experiencing right now in America? I could use a palate cleanser. I don't know. Yeah. It really got, makes me upset. <laughs> yeah, well. It is very, it's very upsetting, especially since, uh, yeah, both of those stories are in California. So a uh, surprise, 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 surprise. Um, uh, yeah, so here's you guys' palate cleanser. We had our CEO, Marissa Streit, on the show to talk about, you know, the building of PragerU, her own life story, and how her, her work has influenced her and how she got to this point. So here is that interview for you all. Hey, everybody, special guest on the show today. You guys know that we have a recurring series here at PragerU called Stories of Us, where different people come and visit us out here to tell their life story and sort of how they came to be who they are today. Well, on today's program, we have an even more special <laughs> guest than what's typically on our stories of us because she is the CEO of PragerU, Marissa Streit. Thank you for being on. Fun to be here. <laughs> this is your, what, third appearance on our show so far? Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Every time it you gets You keep better. bringing me back. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Each one stronger than the last. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about your, your stories of us, because I feel like we got a different side of you in this one, because you've come on and you've sort of told your story and how you've got connected with PragerU. But now we got a little bit further, further past that in the backstory. You used to work in education. That's right. How did that happen? Well, first of all, you, you hit on an important point. I am always a behind the scenes type of person. Right, right. And I love being behind the scenes. It's truly my comfort zone. Um, but Stories of Us really in so many ways has been my baby. Mm -hmm. uh, two years ago, I read a book that had a big impact on me. It was about storytelling. And I read the book because I started giving all these speeches and also realized that we're in the uh, business of explaining things and stories are such an important way to explain things. Mm -hmm. And so when I put down that book, I just said, you know, there's, there must be more than right. what we are making now. The five minute videos are amazing. They're very cerebral and they're very, very fact-based. Um, but I felt like they don't really necessarily always tell people's personal story. Yep. Um, and the personal story has such an impact on people. And when people look at conservatives and liberty-minded, loving Americans, they look at us as if we're cold or unapproachable, or they even put us in a certain mold. They think that we are all, they all look a certain way. We are all of a certain age, of mm -hmm. a certain demographic, and we're not, truly we're not. We're very, very diverse. Mm -hmm. And so when we created Stories of Us, that's really the story that I wanted to tell, the story of, of conservatives that come from all walks of life. Yeah. Like, I mean, you and I could not be more different, but we have so much in common in that we love and appreciate America. Yeah. Um, and so that's when we launched Stories of Us. There were We started with stories of transformation, people who have gone from left to right. And then we said, you know, it's more than stories of transformation. It's really stories of the differences that we all have of all, different walks of life, but mm -hmm. also the commonality. There's such a lack of common ground in America right now. And I feel like the audience is starving for that kind of common ground. Uh, we all love children. We all want the best for children. Yep. We all are living in this country. We all want to live in a clean world. Um, we have different approaches about these things. But at the end of the day, there's very little emphasis on the commonality, uh, the common grounds that we have. And I think more people are starting to realize as they're waking up 
they're realizing that conservative movement doesn't mean that you're an old white male, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so that is the story I wanted to tell behind stories of us. Right. And then the moment came where the team, the moment came where the team came to me right. and said, okay, Marissa, your turn. it's your turn. <laughs> like, okay, fine, I'll tell my story. And uh, so that's that's kind of uh, how I came to be in this this week's episode. Was it nervous being on the other the other end of the camera this time? Uh, you know, I've, I've been in front of the camera quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I've been doing prairie for 10 years now, so I wasn't nervous, uh, but it definitely, there's a level of vulnerability mm-hmm. when you share your personal experience and you talk about your family. I, I know, um, you know, you guys can relate to that, but I don't oftentimes talk about my childhood and how I was raised. I don't talk about my mom so much. Uh, and so there is definitely this additional exposure, uh, that stories of us asks people to do, uh, when we're in front of the camera in that room on that couch. Mm-hmm. No, but that's that's a scary thing to do. And I mean, you. what I loved about your stories of us when you were talking about how you met Alan, you met Dennis, you met them at this cafe and everything. And one of the things that really struck out to me was talking about being fearless. That's why you as a candidate, among other people, was chosen to do PragerU because you're a fearless person. And for me personally, I mean, you can just look right now with the COVID pandemic. You can look with the economy, with climate change, all these different things. I mean, fear is everywhere. Fear is the driving factor of Americans right now, people in the West of saying, well, because you are afraid, you now need to give the government more authority, emergency powers, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I think that you being fearless in so many things is really admirable. How did you come to have that fearless attitude and what is your advice to people who might feel afraid in a time right now? Yeah, truly through adversity. I'm actually a big fan of adversity. So I, too. Yes. I had a, I had a pretty rough childhood. Uh, I was born in the States. Uh, my parents were both very good to me. It's not that I experienced any sort of abuse uh, ever. Uh, but things were tough. My mom uh, raised me on her own. She was a single mother. Uh, we moved from the United States to Israel. They put me in public school in Israel when I was uh, seven years old, uh, literally dumped into a school where I didn't speak the language. Uh, mm-hmm. Luckily, I was so young, and at that age, you learn very quickly. You're like, brain's a little sponge, and so within a couple of months, I spoke the Hebrew language, which could not be more different than English. Yeah. Um, and my mother was a working parent, uh, so I had to take care of myself, and I would walk home with a keychain around my neck and open the door and heat up food. Um, that adversity really toughened me up. And at first kids would laugh at me because I dressed up like an American in school. And then, you know, I had a hairdo of an American and kids would look at me and I looked like a weirdo or different. Uh, I had a different accent and a different way about myself. And even within my family, there was a different way about how we conducted ourselves. Um, but that difficulty actually turned me into a stronger person because now I'm not afraid of being different. I don't need to be with the sheep. I am okay with being different. And I think you may look at these different instances in your life and think to yourself, wow, poor kid had to walk home on her own, had to make her own lunch. No, I look at that as a callus that I built because now you can drop me into any environment and I can make friends Mm -hmm. and I'm comfortable with myself. You can't really peer pressure me. Um, and I think a lot of that has given me the ability to have courage that even, even when leading the team here at PragerU, we have about 90 employees, I refuse to shut down. I mean, we got our permits, uh, to, to, to open up as soon as we could within two to three weeks of the lockdown. Uh, of course, you know, we're essential business media and had to share information. 
And I think a lot of that courage was something that I got from that adversity that I had in my life. And so Mm. I'm actually, when I look at adversity, I try to see the calluses um, that make us stronger and really as a, it's, it's a tool to, to build bravery. Right. Amazing. And now you know how to make good lunches too. I cook <laughs> lunches. For your kids. I, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. No, I've had your cooking. That's good. I know you, you have. Know? It's yeah. very good. Well, I, I think that's great. I, I am someone who says when adversity comes, you should embrace the adversity. Don't run from it. Because I think most people, when they get in a situation, I mean, everyone has struggles in life, you know, some people more than others, everyone has hardships, but a lot of people right now, especially in America, young people, when I went to college, it was a culture shock because they have those same type of adversity situations, whatever it is. And they say, okay, I am now a victim. Someone has to take care of me. Uh, The world owes me something. The school owes me something. I deserve to be here versus saying, you know, I went through something and I'm going to make my life better myself, even despite all of these things. How do you fight back against the the victim culture that we're seeing? Right. I mean, what happened to sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt you. I mean, it is almost impossible to offend me. I'm just not the offended type. Mm -hmm. And I think that actually makes me stronger. Uh, So... How do we fight against what's what we're seeing in our culture? Well, part of it is leadership, right? I think that's what PragerU has done. We show up. We're not afraid to speak the truth. And, you know, the three of us have had many conversations about what's going to happen if we speak the truth about different issues, whether it was, you know, masking or shutting down the schools for COVID. And we speak the truth because the truth needs to be heard. And I think there is a, a very large silent majority in America that needs to hear the truth and wants to hear the truth. And sadly, they're afraid. Uh, and, you know, Dennis often, oftentimes talks about the storming of Normandy. You think those kids were not afraid? I mean, they had mm-hmm. more to lose than many folks like us. And they still did it. And they did it so that we today will have the freedom that we have. Um, and so it actually takes very few leaders to take on leadership because the rest of the population will follow ultimately. Mm-hmm. They will follow the truth. And that has been a guiding principle in my life. And, you know, thankfully, the adversity that I grew up with has given me the tools to be able to be strong enough to speak the truth and not really care if people judge me or don't like what I have to say. I mean, as you can see, ultimately, when you speak the truth, people turn around and they join you as they're joining us. Right. I'm curious because you mentioned leadership. You're no stranger to leadership. We learned in your Stories of Us video that you were a headmistress at a Jewish school. And then that sort of led down this path of you becoming the CEO of PragerU, which now has nearly, what, 100 employees. So you are constantly at the top of a hierarchy in the the work that you do. I'm curious, how were those two jobs different? And what are you sort of taking with you that you learned in in your school leadership over to here at PragerU? Yeah, I ask all the time, what is God trying to do with me? Uh, But... I feel like if God gives you certain abilities, then you should use them in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my journey started with education because I just loved kids. They're so authentic. They're so real. Um, there's so much opportunity there. I enjoyed working with them. So I actually started as a teacher. I was an educator. Um, I taught every single grade, K through seventh. And I so fell in love with it. I still felt like there was a leader in me that wanted to do um, larger scale type of things. And so I ran the school. Um, I interacted with other colleagues of mine from other schools and I started seeing the problems in American schools. Uh, the system is truly broken. Uh, it's broken much because of the teacher unions who I have, uh, a lot of resentment towards, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they claim that they're there to help 
kids, but they don't. They claim that they're there to help teachers, but they don't really. Um, they're truly a political enterprise. Uh, I still remember talking to my friends in the teacher lounges and the pressure that we would experience from the teacher unions to vote a certain way. I mean, for all intents and purposes, they might as well just show up and force us to vote in certain ways mm-hmm. because there was so much pressure on you, especially when you're a young teacher and you hear language like, oh, you would never want to vote for someone who is anti-children or anti-teachers. Well, of course you don't want that. And then if you go further back, I have a master's in education. I remember so vividly the day And I was not a political person. I had no idea what I was reading. But in the book, it said that great teachers should listen to NPR every morning on their way into class so that they can better teach their kids about what's happening vis-a-vis current events in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And to me, that just seemed like Pravda. I mean, it just seemed like complete propaganda. Why would you be teaching fourth graders, what you're hearing about in in NPR, which Mm -hmm. is completely a political issue. Um, And so that actually did uh, resonate me with me uh, and and stuck with me for many years before I got involved in, I guess, what one could call politics, though I personally don't believe that PragerU is really political. It's ideological. Um, To me, you can't not get involved in what's going to impact your community and ultimately whatever happens in in government will impact your community and we're seeing that with the teacher unions and so this whole my whole journey started with education and with children and that's how i got involved in in what you would call ideology and politics because i couldn't ignore what i saw was mm-hmm. happening with kids and you know i can give you so many examples teachers that can't get fired and so they place they're placed in the eraser room they still get to like connect collect pensions but then the schools need more and more funding because they claim that they don't have enough funding well what about all the funding that's being wasted on bureaucrats and so i ultimately decided to leave education even though i loved working with kids i just didn't love what i saw and when i had an opportunity to try to fix america's education from without with dennis and allen it seemed like that slingshot that opportunity to take the leadership skills that I had, to take the background in education that I had and bring something good to our country, to a country that I feel has given me so much. I am so grateful for being an American and frankly, am so scared, especially right now, that we lose America as we know it. And if we don't arm the next generation with the ideas and values that have made America great, then we will lose our country. Yeah, but you know, it's, it's hard to say when it comes to the political aspect of what we're doing, because, you know, so much of what we do, we're fighting against the left, you know, the left as uh, not even just an organization, but as an ideology is inherently political. And so when it comes to those ideologies, you would have to say in, in a way we are political in the sense that we know what the left has done to this country. We know what they're doing and that we are fighting against, I mean, leftism in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, now, I mean, politics is everything now, yeah. right? You can't just say, well, I'm just going to leave politics up in Washington. It's everything right now. It's your right. community. It's like saying, I don't care about my community. Oh, well, I'm not that political. That means literally, I just don't really care about what happens with my life, my children's mm. life, in right. my community. That's what it means today because the left, every time we take a step out of some area and want to leave it apolitical, they immediately fill in that vacuum and take over. And so you see that in sports, right? Conservatives don't want to make sports political, but the left is just going to fill in that vacuum and take over it. And so Mm -hmm. what do we do? Do we just, you know, forfeit everything? We forfeit the education system. 
we forfeit culture and media. We can't just write, you know, have write books and and claim that politics is something that happens in Washington. And meanwhile, the left is taking over and and literally destroying it. Yeah, yeah. And that's what's tough because you want something like sports or education to be apolitical. Yeah. But when we don't make it, we don't insert, mm-hmm. you know, the values right. that we talk about with PragerU. When we don't put those values in, then it becomes leftist indoctrination in right. all of these different places. I mean, the NFL said they're going to donate $250 million to combat racism. What does that mean? Yeah. You know, that's totally against everything that we stand for. And it's because I think conservatives have been so apathetic and they haven't they haven't taken the higher ground. They haven't said, we're going to put our foot forward to do it. And PragerU mm-hmm. is the opposite that opposite of that. We've yeah. said we want to get in homes. We want to get in on kids' computers and have our videos show up. Yeah, I mean, our content, especially for kids, it's not outright political, but right. it mm-hmm. is a, a version of inoculation. And, and what I mean by that is, we teach kids that we value hard work and critical thinking. I mean, this is not something that you hear the left say. I mean, right. it, it's actually considered uh, a taboo to say mm-hmm. this to kids, work hard and think critically. The opposite, they want everybody to think the same way. Yep. And hard work is considered, oh, well, you should not, you know, you should not work that hard, you should enjoy your life. I mean, you look at Europe, you look at Europeans, you know, many of them value just lounging around and going to cafes for, for many hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then at the end of the day, they don't have the freedoms that we have. And yeah. I mean, don't need to even go as far as Europe. Look at Canada right now, right? right? As, are you are you willing to give up all these freedoms? But people will be willing to give up all these freedoms if they're not taught and educated from a young age, the value and the cost of freedom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is what is happening. People are not fighting for freedom anymore because in the school system, I'll tell you, they're not, being taught history, they're not being taught the value of what the American way is about, right? It's about hard work and entrepreneurship and personal freedom and and you know all of the amendments, but they don't want to teach civics in schools and in schools anymore. And so, come to when it comes to a moment where people need to make certain decisions and fight for freedom, they're just unaware, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I want to ask one one final question here for me. What is you've accomplished so much so far with PragerU as as of late? What is your dream moving forward, and how does PragerU fit into that? Because I know it's only going to get bigger from here. Yeah, <laughs> I know we just can't stop. It's just one of those things where it's like a snowball. Well, the truth is that every time we see that we have such a large impact, it's hard to just sit back and not do more. Um, it's not in my personality to just see problems erupting everywhere around the countries around the country and and just sit back and uh and not react and not build mm-hmm. uh i do i say this every time i know we're 10 years into PragerU. i say this every time we're just getting started yep. on the PragerU kids content we want to get to a point where we have two hours a week of content per age range so that when kids and parents turn on the the tv set or the ipad there is enough content there uh for for folks to engage with we want to have enough content from you guys so that folks who are watching you have more to engage with so they don't necessarily need to go watch things in other places. So I think we're going to need more content and we need more reach. We want more people to see that, to know that we exist and, and, and see us and also figuring out the big tech situation. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there is a lot more to do. Hopefully the bigger we get, we won't continue to have this problem that the bigger they get, the more attacks we receive mm-hmm. uh, from big tech. It's obviously an issue, but the bigger we get, the harder it is for them to make us disappear because we need this large audience to follow us and make sure that we remain large enough and 
you know, stand on our own feet technology wise, but also audience wise. Yeah. I mean, if they can make the president of the United States disappear, yeah, definitely do it to Prager. Well, look what they're doing to Joe Rogan. I mean, he's huge. Right. It doesn't matter how big you are. If you're against the agenda, they will destroy you. Yeah. So that's what we're fighting against. We got to keep fighting. It doesn't matter how big the, the, uh, the mountain seems. The, the more you climb up that mountain, the smaller that mountain looks. It right. just becomes a little hill as you keep climbing up. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's been kind of our attitude here. Right. And the view's the best at the top. The it view takes a while. Is best. It, just, it takes a while to get up there. And a lot it of does. work, tenacity, yeah. hard exactly. work, yes. courage, all yeah. the stuff that they don't want us to teach our kids. That's right. what we want to teach our right. kids. Right. They want to teach the kids that the view's the best at the bottom. Right. Yes. But right. The hard work to get up to the top of the mountain. That's right. where you see the the best sights. They truly teach the kids that the view is the best where everybody else is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And to throw rocks at the people who are sit- standing yeah. there exactly. at the top. Yeah. 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 You can't show that you're at the top. Yeah. Don't post those yeah. Instagram photos. Yeah. yeah. That's what oh, it is. Oh, it's so unfortunate. Yeah. It's why they give participation trophies because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Everybody is the same no matter what they do. Right. right. The participation trophies are my huge gripe. Yeah. I, it destroys competition. I mean, you know me and Craig. Yeah. We're both very competitive. Yeah. I know. You so. always walk two, two steps ahead of me. Exactly. I know. I know. So when I hear the kids just get trophies for doing nothing, it's horrible. Yeah. It's really terrible. It teaches them that every Everyone wins, even when you lose. Yeah. Destroys innovation. Yep. But that's what we're fighting here at PragerU every single day with all the content that we make and all uh, with the guidance of Miss Marissa Strite. So thank you so much for for being on. And all of you guys, if you haven't seen the Stories of Us episode yet, you can go to PragerU.com. You can check it out there or on any of our social media accounts as well. Please go to PragerU.com and watch all of the exclusive content that we have there. Thanks, guys. Awesome. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, Marissa's got a fantastic Stories of Us episode that is out now. You can watch that by going to PragerU.com or downloading the PragerU app and clicking watch. Now let's move on to a story that I just want to touch on really quickly here and then we'll move on to TikTok Tuesday. So the three men who were found guilty and charged with the murder of Ahmaud Arbery have now been also convicted of uh, federal hate crime charges for those of you who are unfamiliar with the case of Ahmad Arbery that was the one where the young man Ahmad, was in a neighborhood that was not his own uh, supposedly jogging was the story that we got after the encounter that he had with these three men uh, but was sort of going around to houses that were being renovated and was spotted by uh, neighbors in this area they ended up pursuing Ahmad Arbery, chasing him, which might have uh, seems like a very bad decision, uh, considering how this thing ended up. And an altercation ended with Ahmad Arbery dying. Uh, so a completely unfortunate situation uh, for all parties, especially for Ahmad Arbery. But again, the narrative around this was that, that he was jogging in this neighborhood that was very, very far from where he lived. So that that is a questionable narrative. So they were already convicted of murder. Now they're getting a hate crimes charge on top of this. And I think it just points to the last lack of truth in the way that we talk about things and especially when it comes to the criminal justice system there's no evidence to prove that this was a hate crime other than the fact that you see three white men who have had an encounter that led to the death of a black man that's the only thing that we see here yet they've now been charged with a federal hate crime on top of their murder charges which just shows that once the court of public opinion finds you guilty on something that pretty much is the the route that it goes down unless you have sufficient sufficient evidence to get you out of the lies that they place upon you now i'm not uh calling into contention the the murder charge at all but the hate crimes charge absolutely no evidence for this uh but whatever you know the people who are activists in this case get what they want and they get these men labeled what they believe them what they believe themselves to be 
So let's move on to TikTok Tuesday and take a look at the videos that we have for you guys. Here is number one. This one's about making up new genders. Here we go. As someone who has coined my own xenogender, I find it really funny when transphobes use the argument of like, well, you're just making stuff up. Like, yes, I am. And I'm having more fun than you are. Like, I'm sorry to break it to you, Chad. Gender is made up. Words are made up. Pronouns are just words that we made up. You might as well choose or make words that better suit your personal experience. So like, yeah, synthogender is a made up term. I would know. I made it up. As someone who has coined my own <laughs> xenogender, I find it really funny when transphobes use the Oh, that's replaying. Sorry. <laughs> I totally missed it. Together. It was all it's just like, one monotonous yeah. <laughs> blob of uh, garble. I wonder if true leftists who actually believe in the genders that they created get mad at leftists who come out and say, you know, we're just making this stuff up. I'm so curious if there's like an internal battle, a subculture of people fighting about made up genders versus actual real genders. You say you have more fun than Chad. No one has more fun than Chad. <laughs> having a great time, dude. Gotta do the voice. There you go. Oh, dude, yeah, I'm having yeah, a great time. There we go. He's just mad he didn't get into my party, dude. He didn't bring five chicks. Oh, wow. <laughs> Say the Greek alphabet backwards. <laughs> I don't have to make stuff up. I have real fun. Uh, yeah, I have real fun. Who do you know here? Huh? Name five brothers. <laughs> That's, that yeah. sounds like a lot right. of fun, honestly. Going, going, uh, I back too, too deep. I wish I was a Chad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that sounds fun. so fun. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just the quiet part being said out loud here that you're making things up. And I, at least I admire the honesty, I guess. <laughs> I, I really it, don't no. know what else to say here. Yeah, it's just bollocks. Yeah, but... It's, it's the same thing as we talked about before with these other cases involving people making up their own realities and then expecting the world to cater to them and yeah. that's like the tone of this whole messaging is like he's he's not even necessarily saying like the whole world needs to acknowledge my reality he's basically saying I'm just reality just doesn't matter right and so everything is subjective and that's this new postmodern sort of norm right. that everyone has is shaping the thinking of our young people these days it's like i'm not subject to objective reality and objective truth i'm not subject to facts about myself or the world or biology or anything any sort of norms in history right it's all just my my invented word is a real and valid thing because that's just the world that we live in nowadays and uh it's scary stuff yeah and that he says having fun having fun is more important than truth mm -hmm. you know if that's where you put as your your pinnacle of life sure right that's your thing but it's not more important this know? is what's gonna it's be like born out of that sort of thinking the next video no well also <laughs> oh. the next video is oh, what's okay. going to be born out of that right. sort of thinking but specifically that video is also all right, all right, all right. <laughs> have you seen the college applications where it's like what gender are you and there's literally like six pages of genders to to it, choose from it's like that on like facebook now yeah you make your profile page and it asks you like all these questions and you what are your pronouns and which gender are you it was like you... male female i'd rather not say transgender male transgender female demi boy demi femme like so many different things that i was reading that i was like i've never even as a former leftist i've never heard a lot of these words it's just amazing none of them are allowed in my frat <laughs> <laughs> what's the name of your frat your, your frat will uh you, you want to we're top house that's all you need to know <laughs> okay okay that's all you need to know that's all you you'd know it if you ever came oh i'm so sorry parties, i'm so sorry do you let women into your frats or 
Of course we love women in the <laughs> frat party. No, I mean, like, think, can I be a frat brother? We have more women than any other frat. <laughs> Full Amazing. of women. Amazing. Uh, this next TikTok uh, video here is titled, My Pronouns Throughout This Year. So I imagine these are subject to change. Let's find out how the, how the different seasons bring about different pronouns. In January, February, March. She, they, she, they, they, she. They, she, they, she, he. All of them. All of them. Okay, we just went through a lot. It was she, they, she, they, but then they switched to they, she, as if the order is uh, somewhat significant. They'd rather be called they first than she. And then it was she, they, he mm-hmm. over and over and over. So then you can be all of the pronouns. Well, it's like you're, you're for the first two months, your parents are trying to figure out what the hell you are. And you say, oh, I'm they, she. Mm-hmm. And then they finally figure it out. And then March comes around. And you're like, no, I'm she, they. Just keeping and them they on just their keep toes. they saying they, she. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to mess it up. I'm sorry. It's so You're just like juking your parents. Exactly. You're just breaking your parents' no, ankles. No, mom, she, they now. <laughs> like, we just figured out they, she. Yeah. Now you're changing it on us again. It's so we. I just wonder, uh, general question here, what are the pronouns attached to? Is it sort of this sort of uh, spiritual feeling of what gender you are? Is it attached to gender roles? Like, I've seen a lot of leftists go, well... I'm feeling like I've seen girls go, I'm feeling like a he today. So, you know, I'm going to wear the short hair out. I'm going to dress more masculine. uh, And they attach their pronouns to that. But then they say that gender roles don't exist and that there's no attachment for what it means to be a boy and that there's no such thing as presenting masculine or presenting feminine. It's just utter confusion. It's it's the same question as what is this entire worldview attached to? Yeah. Um, Nothing. Yeah, exactly. But putting but putting that aside, changing your pronouns every month, in my mind, maybe what the incentive here is, is that as soon as people get get your pronouns right and start calling you by what you want to be called by, mm-hmm. now you can't gripe about being a victim anymore. So if I, if I change it again the next month, <laughs> right. now I'm being misgendered theory. again. So I'm a victim and I can go out and, and complain about how people are misgendering me. And you get to keep everyone else confused about your identity and you get to keep them asking questions about how you're identifying this week. And it keeps you as, you know, as focused keeps attention on you and allows mm-hmm. you to just continue to have grievances with the world and make the world revolve around your preferences about yourself and how you identify. So that's my He's take. like, just, just food good, for a thought. No, that's a, very, that's a very good point. It's very vain of these people to do that. Yeah, you I know, mean. It's very vain. And then you know me, I'll always play the compassionate card and the angel on the other side of the shoulder and say, maybe this is just the pinnacle of just how confused you can be about your gender. And maybe this is that coming to its full fruition Uh, and people truly thinking that month to month you can change your pronouns. Yeah, I totally agree that they're confused, but I also, I mean, and that is the point of their worldview is to create confusion. And I think that they're acting out the worldview that creates Mm. confusion and in which victimhood is currency. Mm. And so you're always incentivized under this worldview to go as low as you can on the intersectionality victim ladder. And so why, why don't I invent a new way this week to identify as a victim and have people sympathize for me and get more currency according to this worldview. So they're, they're just acting out the worldview the problems with the ideas Mm -hmm. and the people are, I feel bad for these people because they're so, they are confused. Yeah. I'll snap for that. I do think oppression and victimhood is definitely currency in today's day and age. Uh, Here's another TikTok here. This is a PSA for white people. I'm going to put out a general warning right now. I think there are some curse words in this TikTok. So if you are a young person watching right now or somebody who's watching with their family, mom, click it off for the next two minutes. Yeah. I got my bleep button. I don't know if it's going to. Click it off for these. (laughs) 
<laughs> minutes. Uh, uh, we'll so you might not want to listen to the next two minutes of this, uh, but here we go. This is a PSA to white people. White people. Come here. Come here. Y'all need to sue the government. And I, wait, I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Now, they owe us, black people, reparations. But they owe y'all, too. They got y'all around here saying the N-word and stuff. People are knocking y'all ass out left and right. So they got all these currents running around here. People are knocking their asses out left and right as well. And your kids are growing up not knowing their identity, not knowing who they are, not having a culture, don't know why granddad or grandma is the way that they are. Or even the way you are, and they're angry. You got a lot of issues going on, white people. Y'all got a lot of issues going on. But guess who's in fault? Preach. <laughs> Remember when y'all stormed in that capital, and y'all was angry, and y'all defecated all over the different offices and stuff in there. What? Remember when y'all killed that lady? I just, I just want to pause for Does she know what she's saying? Y'all came in and pooped all over Nancy Pelosi's desk. Does she know what defecated me? I think she no, meant I think she meant to say desecrated yeah, the offices. Defecated. Uh, Desecrate means usually it's something holy. There's well, nothing holy yeah, about but Congress still, either. like you know, I could see somebody thinking like, "Oh, desecrate no, is a better word," and then yeah, but oh my god! Someone said you should have warned us about the stupidity, not the language. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I should have bleeped out the, the defecated. Right, right, right. Should have should have bleeped that <laughs> yeah. out. Okay, let's continue. There's more. But wait, there's more. Oh, god. Remember that. This is bigger than that because in the next fifty years or so, black people. It's going to be beating your goddamn asses every fucking where. You don't what? want that. And the government owes you because the government, they're the ones who owe the black people reparations. If we don't get our reparations soon, it's going to be bad. Oh, We're done talking about we don't need to listen to any more of it. I understand now. Okay. So you folks over here and 50% me as I'm 50% white, you guys should be rallying the government to pay me 50% of my reparations and all the other black people 100% of their reparations. Because if you don't, black people are going to come after you. So you should also be fighting for reparations because of that. Black people have already received reparations in the amount of money from welfare spent. It's true. The amount of money spent on welfare has exceeded the amount of money that they have called for for reparations from slavery. Oh, okay. Well, there's that was just like, I, I don't even know. Just saying. It. Also, when it comes to reparations, 62% of Americans are not for reparations. 46% of those people are definitely not. And only 17% of Americans say that reparations is, is uh, something they really agree with. The American people are not with this lady. Most people don't want to do reparations. Right. A lot of black people don't want reparations. I think it's like 50% or even more of black people that don't even want reparations. Doesn't solve so anything. It's all stupidity. This is yeah. a very dumb video. This was a very This is a problem with social media. You just give these types of people a platform. <laughs> you should have to have like a certain, like you have to do like a, uh, you know, like a standardized test to get onto some of these apps. You know, a litmus test yeah a litmus test like to make sure that you can yeah you know to see if it's like if you even standardized tests are racist oh that's true yes that's true. also wow 
I, I really, I don't have a response to this because it's so unintelligible. There's like, there's nothing there to even respond to. It's just a bunch of just like, yes. blah. Like, <laughs> like, where, where is she getting these ideas though? Like, if you are a casual watcher of mainstream media and comedians and mm -hmm. culture, can, is this kind of the perspective that you piece together? No, I feel like not. I feel like even this is quite extreme, just as, as a general thought process for somebody. Uh, it's really a threat and package in a video. She's What she's saying in this video is white people, black people are going to come after you and, quote, beat your bleep as she said in this video where's my bleeper beat your yeah. <laughs> if you don't fight for reparations so it was a threat and packaged in this that's saying white people you better ask for reparations or we will beat, beat you your up. beat you up yeah yeah, yeah. Well, that's a like, great message for black people who was yes. it last year or 2020 during the blm riots they had the guy uh, the blm um activist from new york uh that represented the chapter who said you know, we will burn the system to the ground unless we get what we want. And right. I, said, I could be saying that metaphorically or I could be saying it literally. It's rhetoric. And, and then you, we have that video that we, we piece together like a montage of a lot of these activists and giving speeches and saying like, you know, the looting that when if you loot a, a Gucci or a Nike store, that's reparations. Oh, yeah. It's definitely just uh, There's a narrative out there. I, yeah, the narrative is definitely there. And then you hear mainstream media go, well, it's OK that they burned down this building because, uh, you know, they're angry. And it's, it becomes justified by the the people who are supposed to represent uh, what our value should be as a country. And clearly that's not our values. So I could see as a general person who's maybe politically apathetic or leaning left, you would watch that and go, oh, yeah, well, black people deserve reparations and we should do whatever it, it is necessary to get them. But, I can't believe we're analyzing this with such, I know. you know, intelligent well, conversation. Well, it's coming from somewhere. writing an essay. <laughs> Just, you know, don't don't try to get a, a coffee in downtown Ottawa right now. But right. also, if it's for Black Lives Matter, you can throw a Molotov cocktail at the coffee shop and burn it down. And it's right. fine. And it's right. totally OK. Right. It's totally no OK. No sanctions on Canada. Yeah. So we're going to sanction Russia. OK. One more here. And this one does have a curse word in the beginning. A warning to. Oh, I'll try, I'll try to catch it. It's literally right out right out the All gate. Right. So one, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> one, two, three. <laughs> Come on. Got it. All right. Structure, but put your tasks in. Non black women, I want you to do something for me. I want you to go into a room okay. by yourself. Okay. And I want you to describe Megan the Stallion. Let me pause it really quickly. Now, uh, okay. Non black women, that's you and, and you. But is it non black women or just. People, anybody who's not a black woman. Or anybody who's not a black women. woman. <laughs> I'm With just going to count you in that group. Uh, well, what are you identifying as this week? Uh, Kappa Sig. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to assume you guys are, just assume you guys are locked in a room alone right now. Define Megan the Stallion for me. Thought. Okay. Any other words to describe Megan the Stallion? Bad influence. Okay. <laughs> Taylor, anything? Savage. Uh, savage. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> rapper okay classy but she's ratchet great okay <laughs> any other words before we continue oh that's from that song yeah i i, I know a few things about the culture yeah um no i don't know she's a rapper oh, and gross. she's very not appropriate okay well, let's <laughs> continue this tiktok now that we've followed this woman's instructions okay now if the words you use to describe her are confident 
sexy, badass. Nope. I, along with a lot of black women, probably wouldn't disagree with you. The problem is how non-black women portray those things while listening to her music and a lot of other black rappers and pop stars. Because what makes Megan Thee Stallion confident, sexy, and a badass is not that she dresses in a certain way or she uses profanity in her art. It's that she's embracing herself and her talents and creating art at the same time. It's not art. (laughs) The problem with this trend is that a lot of non-black women are embracing the sexy, confident, um, badassery of Meg Thee Stallion by adopting a caricature of a black woman in ways without understanding the meanings behind the imagery and totally saying that it's not appropriate in your work life. Like this whole trend is a rejection of black women empowerment. (laughs) If if shaking your butt is art, I'll get on this table right now and you can call me Pablo Picasso. (laughs) But this- it's it's not art. It's not art. It's fart. Uh, it's not good. It's just amazing that she's saying like you're not thinking about the reasons behind what Meg the Stallion. For those of you who want to see who Meg the Stallion is, this is who Meg the Stallion is. Here are her Google images. This is this is Meg the Stallion. She's yeah. a very famous black female rapper uh, she who's won artist known. Of the year at the Grammys. Or, she won uh, artist of the year. Uh, not our new artist of the year. She is very well known for not wearing clothes, rapping about how good it is to be a thought uh, and to be sexually promiscuous. In vivid detail. I'm not just talking like, oh, I-, I sleep around, whatever. I mean, in vivid detail, she goes into in her raps exactly what she does uh, with the male counterpart. Um, I don't know how else to put it. And, and she's saying that. <laughs> she's saying that when women who are not women of color or when white women dance and shake their butt to Meg the Stallion, they are rejecting black female success and, and essentially committing something, an act of racism, a microaggression against black women, even mm-hmm. though that is literally what Meg the Stallion does in all of her videos wearing no clothes, shaking her butt, using um, an immense amount of profanity and talking about uh, the detailed sexual acts that she commits. So they say, don't don't segregate us. We want to let us into your culture. Okay. No, you can't be a part of our culture. That's racist. <laughs> what do you want from us? What, what are we supposed to do? It doesn't make any sense. You want it both ways? No. It, what? It's just amazing. And then to, yeah, to criticize somebody for imitating exactly what Meg Thee Stallion does in her videos is just amazing. And this got 87,000 likes on TikTok. It's insane. It's insane. No, these, these people are the same people who defend a baby who I'm pretty sure killed a guy. Yes. And then, uh, Chris Brown beats his, beats Rihanna. Yep. And that's all fine. But then, and says horrible things about women, all these terrible things in their songs. But then as soon as the baby on stage says something about being gay, Everyone flips out and it's the worst thing right. in the world. Uh, what's her name? Dua Lipa. No, is a shame. She had a song with him. But it's like, oh, when he killed a guy and talked about sexually assaulting women, that's fine. Yep. But as soon as you go against this narrative of this, it's not fine. It's- right. She goes, I just can't believe that you think Meg the Stallion is inappropriate for the workplace. What do you, I'm, I'm, what do you think is appropriate for the workplace? 
If, if, if you think Meg the Stallion is appropriate for your workplace, there's something wrong. Oh, Does she mean like playing her music at your workplace? Yes, playing oh. the music at the workplace. She's definitely not appropriate at this workplace. Like is like coming here. She's not. A, it's not appropriate in the supermarket. It's barely appropriate to play Meg the Stallion songs at a party. Like that's how crazy the lyrics are in her in her songs. No, it's inappropriate at any time. It's just inappropriate. Maybe, maybe grandma's funeral. But other than that, it's yeah, funeral. maybe. It's very. <laughs> maybe very when you're giving times. Granny that final send off. Yes. You can play. You are Meg always on your thought. <laughs> on the thought S word. On the thought S word, <laughs> Gram Gram. <laughs> Oh, goodness gracious. Well, that is the the end to our TikTok Tuesday. I hope you guys were entertained in some way, shape, or form by the, what whatever it is that we just watched. Thank you guys so much for watching. Please like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single day when we go live. That's 2.30 Pacific, 5.30 Eastern. We're going to see you guys tomorrow for Wednesday. We'll have a fun little segment at the end of the show. And we hope you enjoyed today's show. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for watching. Bye, guys.